It's that time of the year again. Guys, it is crisp. It is nice and cool. There's a sense of excitement in the air because guess what? Football is back, baby. College football kicked off last week, and we had a great slate. Holy shit, what a slate we had. Oh, I mean, there was about four or five games that were just incredible. I mean, it started on Thursday night with the Backyard Brawl and the Penn State-Purdue game. Then you move into Saturday, two noon games in ECU and North Carolina State. Comes down to a, two missed field goals. Then you have App State versus North Carolina in Boone. App State is down, and they win. They have to score about 40 points just to come back and get close, but they end up losing. And guess what? We have NFL kicking off tonight. I mean, is there anything better than this right now? Is there anything better than fall? I mean, guys, we got this going on. We got we got the Braves tying the division. You got Coach O telling funny stories about his buyout. All the things are going on. But, hey, the good news is this. BDE Radio is back. We had about a three-, four-week break. You know, I had a wedding to go to, Cam and his music. Um, I got engaged. We had all we had all these life things getting in the way, but guess what? I'm here with you tonight to talk football, to talk sports, because guess what? That's what we do on BDE Radio. And I, I got show sheets. Look, two, two things of topics for us to talk about tonight. And you know what? I couldn't be in can't be any happier than I am right now because I love sports. I love this time of the year. I love football. I love baseball. And guess what? We're just going to dive right on into it. So we're going to talk a little baseball just, just off the bat, just because it's there. We need to chat about it. As I just said, the Braves tied the division. We're down by half a game right now because the Mets played a doubleheader yesterday against the Pirates and getting they won both games. It's the Pirates. Them losing one game was huge. But the Braves, the best team since June, who have won 21 games out of, no, 20 games out of 25 that Von Grissom has been called up, have come all the way back. And they finally are getting over that hump. Now we got to play Seattle, got to play the Giants, got to get through those six games. But, man, if you just keep on winning – we're going to win this division. The Mets offense is finally showing what they really are. All those dinks and blue pits are finally not finding holes. It is what it is. They have the easiest schedule, but we have a pretty easy schedule too. So if we can win 10 to 15 more games out of 26, 25, I feel if we can win 15 to 16, I'll feel very confident in going into that last series with them. Because, good God, that's going to be a massive series. Coming down to the wire in this division race. And guess what? There's no more bad blood in this thing than right now. This whole narco Timmy Trumpet thing, is this not the dumbest thing you've ever seen? We're talking about a walk-up song. A walk-up song that's not even that good for a closer. This isn't Mariano Rivera. This isn't... Trevor Hoffman. 
we're talking about two legendary songs. I mean, it's not Welcome to the Jungle. We're talking about a trumpet. It's pretty cool for a walk-up song. But is it some kind of hype-up thing that the Mets are making this into? I mean, you for God's sake, you got Nebraska and Ohio State doing it before games, before kickoff. Like, I'm sorry, that's it's not that cool of a song for it to be this popular. And yes, Edwin Diaz is having an incredible year as a closer. He's doing his thing. But the last two years, he's not been that good. So should he have all the hype for this one stupid freaking song? Absolutely not. He should not. And the fact that you have Timmy Trumpet and the DJ coming out saying, only one guy should have this song. I, I think it's disrespectful and we only signed off. We only signed off on Edwin Diaz having the song. Okay, you're only saying that because Contreras has that walk up too. And you know what? I love it because the pettiness of the Braves is showing up because when we last week, when we got close, the Mets lost to the nationals this past weekend. Guess what? The Braves played during a, uh, during a rain delay. They played narco right after the song, after they lost and it couldn't have been any funnier. I love this. This is what sports are about. Just pettiness, arguing, debating over stupid stuff. You got Frank the Tank about to give himself an aneurysm over a division race. We're not talking about playoffs. Playoffs? We're not talking about them. We're talking about regular season games. And this guy wants to complain because we're playing the same team. Saying any Mets fan that tells you that the Braves have the easier schedule... Tell them to look at their their September schedule and be like, I, I don't want to hear it. Their September schedule is a joke. And the fact that they are choking right now makes it even sweeter. The Braves have been the best team since June 1st. You can go look at the record. It just is what it is. The team, it's probably, I mean, right now it's the hottest team in baseball. On a seven-game win streak again, you know, we won 14 Earlier in the year, I don't see that happening again because, like I said, we're playing Seattle and then the Giants. Those are po- both pretty – I mean, Seattle's in the playoff race. Giants, not so much, but still two good teams. I mean, Giants were winning their division last year, so they still have potential to, to get some wins there. So, look, I love this. I love it. I love it. I love it. And the Braves just keep dominating. We just keep winning with these young guys – Ronald's not even fully healthy. He's having the DH, and it's just fan-freaking-tastic. I love it. Nothing gets me more hyped than this. And you know what? Playoff baseball is right, ar- right around the corner. When we get into October, as you guys have known over the past two or three years, that's the best time in sports. You're in the middle of college football. You're in the middle of NFL. It's starting to get a little crispy outside. Playoff baseball. Need I say more? That's all... That's all I need in life right there. <laughs> Not really, but in sports life, that's the it's the equinox. October through like November, the first week of November is the equinox for me. Because just, again, playoff baseball, NFL, college football. Can't ask for anything better than that. You just can't. It's simple. You just can't. So we're right around the corner. 
Braves, just keep doing your thing and just keep winning games. So we're going to move on now. We're going to move on to some college football. We're going we're gonna to talk about Coach O real quick, and then we're going to go into a full-blown recap of this past weekend because, good God, we got a lot to talk about. Coach O, he, he went a little viral this weekend. Not because LSU was playing. He didn't make any comments about that. He told the story of how he got his buyout, how he got the story. He's having a meeting with his AD at the time. I, I can't remember who the AD's name is. Not off the top of my head. But they're saying, you're, you know, you're having a rough season. Probably going to have to move on. And he goes, well, yeah, you know, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. And then they tell him, well, your buyout is $17.1 million. And Coach O goes, you tell me which door I got to walk out of and win. That is so hilarious, but also shows a complete issue with college football right now. Coaches should not have that big of a buyout in their contract whatsoever. I know these guys are getting massive, massive contracts. I mean, look at Dabo. Dabo today got another $11 million or 11.5 over 10 years. Um, 11 and a half per year, of course. Uh, Saban's 11.7, so he makes him number two highest paid coach. Kirby number three now, of course, because what Bama and Clemson have to do. But it's an issue in the sense that look at all the money that this guy just got to not coach. $17.1 million, and he's just happy. He said, show me the door and tell me when I got to go. Because why? He doesn't have to work for the rest of his life. There's not much incentive there to be great outside of your own internal incentives. So I think that's a an issue there that needs to be solved because you can't be giving coaches this big of buyouts. And I know they're doing it so that if they, they can protect themselves a little bit, if they want to get out of the contract um, for the school-wise, but and the coaches want to make sure they get their money. Same thing with guaranteed contracts in the NFL and MLB. I get it. But at the same time, you're not incentivizing performance there. And you're taking some money away that could easily be going towards nil. I know this is not something that I'm big on and I don't really care for nil, but people complain about how much money there is in college football. Prime example here. Coach O just got $17.1 million. He was terrible the last two years. Yes, he won a national championship in 2019 with probably the best team of all time. But then he, let's be honest, shit a brick for two years. And he gets $17 million because of it. I see that as an issue. But, hey, that's just my opinion. So let's move on. Let's move on to our recaps part of this uh, of this podcast. Because, man, I don't think you could start off a season, a college football season, better than this weekend. Yes, I know week zero, zero happened. But you know what? I don't really count that. Do we really want to talk about Nebraska Northwestern? Yes, I know it was in Ireland. That's cool. Nebraska lost because... Northwestern and Nebraska is just Nebraska. They just somehow find ways to lose games in the fourth quarter. It's what they do. 
So, I mean, they play Georgia Southern this coming weekend, and it could get interesting. But this weekend was a true start. All the big teams played, and, oh, my God, just the, the product that we got Thursday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, a little bit into Monday for till about the third quarter. But still, it was football every single night, and it was just nonstop action. Hell, Friday night, you had ODU upsetting Virginia Tech, beating them 20-17. to 17. That's a hey, ODU was an F- FCS team like a year or two ago. Now they're in the Sun Belt. I mean, come on. What more can you ask for? So let's go ahead and dive in. I got some notes. We're going to go over these games. We're going to start off with the big game from Thursday night. We're talking about the backyard brawl. Pittsburgh versus West Virginia. This thing hasn't been played in like nine years or something crazy like that. These two teams are separated by like 75 miles. Not something you would actually think of just off the top of your head, like West Virginia, Pittsburgh, ah, whatever. But these these two teams hate each other. These two schools cannot stand each other. So the outcome of the game was 38-31, Pittsburgh over West Virginia. This was the battle of the former USC quarterbacks. You had Keaton Slovis, who transferred out after this past year, versus JT Daniels, who... We all know the story here. Transferred from USC to Georgia, Georgia to West Virginia. It was a good game. It was a good game. They wasn't a whole lot of points in the first half. If you had the over on the first half, it was tough. Not going to lie. It was tied at 10. But then the offenses started getting rolling. Um, Pitt, you know, they're replacing Kenny Pickett. But, hey, they're rolling. And they don't have Jordan Addison this year. He's at USC now. And the transfer portal took a lot from them, but hey, it looks like they picked up where they left off. Um, you know, things got got in control West Virginia's way in the fourth quarter, but then the tide changed. Pittsburgh gets on top, and then West Virginia scores, but then they need another score to win the game. What happens? JT Daniels throws a pick six. Now, let's talk about the pick six real quick. It's not a true pick six. It's not his fault. Couldn't have been a more accurate pass. Hits his receivers in the hand. Hits them in the hands. Pops up. God takes it back to the house. And that's what seals the deal here. Uh, I mean, again, couldn't ask for a better game. Uh, Keaton looked good. JT looked good. Again, not JT's fault. Receiver needs to make that catch. And I think... I think a lot of those receivers for West Virginia need to get on the jugs machine this week. Hope they have because they dropped a lot of balls that pretty good balls. And, and there were some, there was a few throws. I mean, that's how every quarterback is. They're, you're going to have a few throws that are not good. I mean, Keaton had them. Hell, Stetson had them. I mean, it, it is what it is, you know. But this one was on the dime in his hands. Should have been a nice catch and run. But instead, it's popped up, picked off, and ran back to the house. Seal the deal for a win for Pittsburgh. So that's what starts us off. Later that night, we have Tennessee blowing out Ball State 59 to 10. That's not too shocking. Everybody knows Tennessee is going to have a electric offense. Um, speaking of Tennessee, Tennessee and Pittsburgh play this weekend. Um, we'll get into more of that more of that later. 
But these two teams do play this weekend, so it was kind of cool to see them both playing at the same time. But, you know, I mean, it's just blah. Playing Ball State is what it is. Next game, that was that night. You got Penn State and Purdue. Uh, this was a tight game, surprisingly. But Purdue has been pretty good the past few years, and Penn State's been pretty average. I mean, it's essentially two average teams playing, right? And that's what you saw Thursday night was two average teams playing each other. Um, can one of them maybe upset somebody? Yeah, I could maybe see it. If you get Penn State at home against Ohio State or Purdue fluky win against Ohio State again, but, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. This is just two average teams, two very average teams. I mean, James Franklin's going in the wrong direction with Penn State, to be honest. Um, let's get into the game. Penn State was up 21-10 to 10 at half. Um, they end up blowing that lead. But in the fourth quarter, they come back with score a late touchdown. They just march down the field. Sean Clifford looked good on this drive. And they score with 57 seconds left in the game. Um, and they end up winning that game. I didn't write down the total, but they went by, I think, like five points or something. I think it was like 35-31. It was an entertaining one to watch. I caught the end of it. But, again, it's just two average teams, to be completely honest. I, I just I don't see much out of those teams. Everybody talks about Penn State as if they're something. They were a couple years ago. I just don't see it now. That Auburn-Penn State game should be interesting. Um Going to be a similar game to this, in my, my opinion. So, as I mentioned, Friday night, we had ODU upset in Virginia Tech 20-17. to 17. And the only thing I really wanted to touch, touch on in this game was, this was Brent Pry. He was the defensive coordinator at Pittsburgh, actually, before this. And this is his first year. He's replacing Justin Fuente, who was the head coach after uh, Shane, not Shane Beamer. Oh, God, I can't think of his first name. Beamer. Shane Beamer's dad. Um... But, yeah, he's he's replacing Fuente, who was supposed to be this offensive genius. And it's just kind of – it's just, again, another team that was pretty much, like, for 10, 15 years, pretty solid ACC team. You know, top 25 always would slip into the top 15, top 10 every now and then, but they'd lose a game, of course. But they were the main competitor for Clemson there for a while, and – it just fell off. I just, I don't know what it is with their recruiting. If they're just not getting guys, if they're not recruiting the South, well, I just, it's crazy to see them fall off the way they did. I mean, you, th you think back to the Mike Vick days, it's just in Beamer ball playing great defense. You just don't see that anymore there. And I think that's what they're trying to get with pride. And that's why they got another, they went away from the offensive guy in Fuente and moved the pride, the defensive guy. So maybe they'll turn around, but you don't lose to ODU. You don't lose to Old Dominion. I know they're in a Sun Belt now, but this was an FCS team a couple years ago. Yes, a good FCS team that made a jump like Georgia Southern. But you don't lose to a Sun Belt team. You don't do it. Can't. Won't. Can't. Anyways, that was that was the main Friday night game. Michigan State played, and they won like 35-13, but Michigan State, I mean, it's just Michigan State, right? So moving on to Saturday, we'll start up top, Georgia versus Oregon. I have to talk about this one because, I mean, it's my team. It's my school. You know, we're reigning natty champions here. We got to talk about it first. So this was a big, not really a big shock, but a shock in the sense it's a good shock, obviously, but in the sense that 
We just beat the shit out of them. Let's just call it what it is. Beat the shit out of them. 49 to 3. Beat them by 46. You score on seven straight drives. Came out slinging the ball. Stetson for over 360, two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. I mean, it looks like they're just picking up where they left off from last year, to be honest with you. Now, there's some questions on defense. Oregon did move the ball. Um, a lot of quick stuff, a lot of stuff towards the sidelines out in the flat to get the linebackers flowing over there, seeing if they can outrun them and see if they're playing good assignment football. And there were some mistakes there. That, that's pretty obvious. But when it came down to making a play, Georgia made the play. That's as simple as that. There was two picks. I mean, it's Bo Nix. I mean, we all kind of saw that coming. Threw two picks. One incredible one by Malachi Starks, a true freshman at safety. Just athletic as hell. I mean, it was straight backwards, almost flat on his back, making the catch. It was incredible. And then, you know, just a perfect read by Chris Smith over the middle on a seam route. And I was almost having flashbacks to the Clemson game last year when he made the pick. I thought he was going to take it back, but he kind of went back into the offensive line and got caught in a wash. But let's be honest, Georgia, they jumped at Ohio State because of this game. They beat the number 11 team. If you want to say Oregon is overranked, okay. But this is an Oregon team with a lot of talent that has been top, top five recruiting classes the last three or four years, top 10. Dan Lanning going over there, implementing some of the Kirbyisms in there. I, I, it's still a good team. They still have the best two linebacker duos that you'll see in the country. They have a very stout offensive line. They held their own against the Georgia defensive line. And now is that to say that Jalen Carter didn't have his way a couple times? Absolutely. But Oregon's still a decent team. I think they'll they'll be favored in every game heading forward for the most part. I mean, we'll see what USC is and what Utah is looking like when they go to play them. But I think Oregon's probably still atop the Pac-12. We'll see. that. I mean, they fell out of the top 25 because of this game. And I, I think this is more about Georgia than Oregon in the sense that Georgia's picking up and their offense is looking better than it was last year. Stetson... I mean, to all the hate that we gave him last year, to all the grief that we gave him, the guy has just answered the bell. His last four games have been against Alabama, Michigan, Alabama, Oregon. And the guy has over 1,200 yards and numerous touchdowns, only two picks, I think 10 touchdowns, two picks. Like, that, that you can't ask for more from Stetson. And if he can keep this up through the rest of the year, I mean, it's Bama, it's Bama, Georgia again. I'm going to call it for what it is. So let's move on. Bama, Utah State, speaking of them, 55-0. Uh, I don't really have a comment on this one. I mean, it's Utah State, not very good. Bryce Young did his thing. Actually, the one interesting uh, note from this game is the fact that Bryce Young had over 100 yards rushing and a couple rushing touchdowns. Um, he had six touchdowns in the first half, and that, I mean, he only played the first half, and he didn't throw for a whole lot of yards, but he had a lot of rushing yards. So, is the guy going to run a lot, or was this just the the instance of take what they give you because this this is what we got in the game? Um, I'm not sure. Be interested to see if if his legs become more of a factor this year. 
Moving on, let's talk about the big game. The biggest game of the weekend was Ohio State-Notre Dame. Uh, this was a fantastic game. I want to be honest, Notre Dame kind of shocked shocked some people, and they shocked me. Now, when it came down to it, if we would have made, if we would have done a podcast last week, if we would have done this, and I was making picks, I was going to pick Notre Dame plus seventeen and a half because it felt like too many points. Um, this was a team that was in the top ten, in the top five last year. Yes, it was Brian Kelly, but you're just flowing over Marcus Freeman from defensive coordinator, and the guy. I, I don't know if you caught it in the pregame in the game day segments he I, i'm not sure about his x's and o's but damn it that guy is a leader he is a leader through and through he knows how to motivate he can just you can tell that he gets it he gets it guys want to play for him he's that kind of guy and look they they look good for the most part i mean their offense struggled which was kind of shocking knowing what Ohio State's defense was last year. Not saying that they're not talented, this that their defense wasn't didn't kind of match up what I was expecting this uh, on Saturday. But hey, they held them to 10 points. Um it was close for most of the game until about the third quarter. Um Ohio State started running the ball and started getting some some rhythm going. I'll tell you what, Travion Henderson, dude's good. Dude is good, Stroud's good. Um, he didn't put up any crazy numbers though, um, but and, and that might have something to do with uh, Smith and Jigba getting hurt and kind of being out for for a little bit. But I'm telling you what, uh, Ohio State's an interesting team to watch moving forward. So is Notre Dame. Is Ohio State going to live up to the hype that they were getting the last month or so coming into this season about being the most prolific offense because of what they did to Utah back in the Rose Bowl? I mean, we'll, it's still yet to be seen. This is still week one. Everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt here because teams, you know, they make mistakes or they, they're, they're not on tune. They're not, not fine-tuned at this point, right? And they don't have a rhythm. And, some, and it's just, you know, your first time facing a different opponent rather than facing the guy that you've been going against for three weeks and, you hate, and you're tired of hitting him. Um, there's a lot of mistakes that happen week one that usually get cleaned up between week two and week three. Um, so we'll see on Ohio State, but where they they move from second to third, which I think that's a fair thing to happen after Georgia beat a top, the number eleven team forty nine to three. I think that's pretty fair. Now I'm biased in that because I am a Georgia fan, but I'm also biased in the fact that I think Georgia be, should be number one. The fact that they are national champions. That's, I mean, I think the national championship from the national champion from the year before. I mean, I know it's based off roster and talent, everything returning, but they should probably be number one in the preseason ranking just based off that. And to be honest, Georgia's returning talent with the fact that they won a national championship should be number one. But in full fairness, none of the rankings matter until week eight, until the playoff committee comes out with their first ranking. So it is what it is. I'm not going to. Get, be all up in arms about it. Who really cares about the rankings at this point? Just go out and win games. Um, so, again, wait and see really on Ohio State. That's kind of how I feel about them. We'll see what they do when they play like Wisconsin and teams like that, um, teams that are known for stouter defenses. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to Notre Dame. They got some interesting games. Like they play BYU this year. USC is going to be an interesting one this year too because of Lincoln Riley and Kalen Williams. 
I mean, they're a team to watch. They're a team to watch. Will I think they're in the playoff? No, because they just lost, and they don't have. They have the detriment of not having a conference championship, and that's their own fault. But oh well. So let's move on. Utah versus Florida. This was a game going on at the same time as that Notre Dame Ohio State game. It actually started a little earlier, but this was the one I I watched both of them. But this was the one I was really intrigued on because I I wanted to see Florida. So this isn't a it's an interesting game in the fact that Florida didn't win this game. They won 29 to 26. I'm just gonna say it. Anthony Richardson looked pretty good. He look, the guy's athletic. Is he the next Cam Newton, though? No. He's not. I don't think he's gonna elevate that team the way Cam elevated Auburn back in 2010. I just don't see that. Um, Cam had a better arm. I'm going to be honest. Cam was a better thrower. Um, if Utah would have keyed more on containing Richardson, they win that ball game. Cause it's not like Richardson did. He had some highlight plays, but he didn't do anything crazy with his arm. Only threw for a hundred and like a little over a hundred yards, like 116, 160, something like that. Um, just, it's all off the top of my head guys. But, if they contain him and make some better tackles, they win that ball game. But we got to give credit where credit's due here, even though it's team I hate the most. Florida won the game against the number seven team in the country. Yes, again, preseason rankings, whatever. They won that game. At the end of the day, they got a pick at the end of the game. They won the game. So some of the takeaways I took away from that game Utah looks slow. I mean, just so slow compared to Florida. It was crazy. It looked like they were running in mud. And now that might have had to do with something with the field because it rained a lot. I just, the speed for when you're looking at Florida versus Utah, it was pretty evident how slow they were. But with that being said, they were able to gash Florida pretty well on the run, on the ground. Running the ball is what they should have done most of that game. They should not have thrown that much because they were able to get into Florida, especially in the third and fourth quarter. Because there's one issue with Florida, their defense and their defensive depth. Their top guys are pretty solid. Like Gervin Dexter's a dude. He's a dude. But when it comes to the guy behind him, they don't have much. Like Napier doesn't have much work with there, so... I think that's an issue for them moving forward because they have good talent. I mean, Florida's Florida. They're always going to have talent. But at the end of the day here, they just don't have the depth to compete with the big boys. Like, I fully expect them to go out and win this week against Kentucky. It's at the Swamp. Kentucky's top two running backs are out. Like, I fully expect them to win that game. They have the best player on the field. AR is the best, best athlete on that field come Saturday for sure. And it's just Utah just, I I think they should have won that game. They should have won that game if they get some stops and if they can convert on the goal line. But Florida won. So good for them. We'll see what they can do against Kentucky this upcoming week. Moving on to what I'm going to call the two craziest games of the week. And this was noon games. Probably the craziest one, UNC App State. 
UNC ends up winning this game 63-61, and they were up big going into the fourth quarter. I switched this game to the ECU game, NC State and ECU, because it was such a blowout. But who saw App State scoring 40 points, 40 points in the fourth quarter? Who saw Chase Bryce doing that? I didn't. And how many teams is Chase Bryce going to play for? It's holy shit. But with that being said, App State loses, loses this game because they can't convert two-point conversions. I mean, literally the last play of the game, Chase Bryce, he looks like he's going to get in, just doesn't have the strength to get through some arm tackles. And to UNC's credit, they held on and won the game. Now, do I personally think Mac Brown and the players should be in there celebrating after that game? Probably not. This is still an ace or a Sun Belt team. I mean, come on. You know? You're the ACC. UNC's been hyped up the last few years. Their offense is supposed to be great. I know Josh Downs was out. Come on, man. Y'all got to win that game. It's App State. Still a little brother here. But, I mean, what a game. 40 points in the fourth quarter? That's insane. Now, I mean, on the very first two-point conversion, Chase Bryce had a dude open. Should have hit him. Overthrows him. But, man, I mean, this is what, this starts off the week. And then you turn it over to the next channel, and you got NC State ECU. Now, this was a sloppy, sloppy, sloppy game. And this is a this is NC State, a team who are some predicting going to win the ACC, go undefeated, and play in the playoff. By what I just saw, that's an 8-4 and four team at best. 8-4. and four. I mean, ECU hung in there. Got a little bit of talent. Jalen Johnson transferred from Georgia as their receiver now. But nothing compared to what NC State's been hyped up to be here. I mean, playoff team, winning the ACC, running the board, going to be number three. No, not at all. I know it's week one, but I no, that's an eight and four team at least, at, or at maximum eight and four. I mean, ECU missed an extra point to tie it up, but somehow gets the ball again, misses the field goal to win the game. If they just can kick a chip or an extra point in a chip shot and they make either one of those, either one, we're going into overtime. Or two, ECU is beating NC State, who I believe is a top 10 team at the time of that game playing. I mean, this is, again, where preseason rankings are just ridiculous. And, yes, again, I know it's week one. I don't want to hear it. NC State being predicted to win or to win the ACC and to be in the playoff? Get out of here. Get out of here. All right, let's move on to Sunday game. Another absolutely wild game, Florida State LSU. I mean, just back and forth all game. Is FSU back? Or is LSU just gone? Jaden Davis was a starter for LSU. He started over Nussmeyer. And this kid transferred to Arizona State, which apparently some of the rumors that came out out of that were some of the guys at Arizona State were not too mad about his departure. 
Um, I can tell you there's – this guy is just a runner. Not, I mean, he has arm talent, obviously, and he has great receivers to throw it to. Look, Malik Neighbors, I know he fumbled – or not fumbled, I mean muffed two punts. The guy's a pretty solid receiver, though. And they have the best receiver probably in football in Kayshawn Butte, who didn't look like he wanted to be there, literally didn't run a route on the goal line when he got a pass thrown to him and he didn't even turn around. I mean, I don't know what Brian Kelly is trying to install instill there, but it ain't working. And now it's year one. You got to weed out the bad, the bad eggs. You got to get all those guys out, get the cancers out to instill your own culture. But Brian Kelly left Notre Dame, probably the safest job in the country. And he was winning. He was successful. Went to college football playoffs multiple times. Did he get blown out? Yeah. But nobody was mad with him. Doing good, getting paid well. Decided to take on the challenge of the SEC. Hey, man. Yikes. That's all I got to say. Yikes. I mean, the one coach that followed you from Notre Dame, your special teams coach, Polian. How are you muffing two fump or how are you muffing two punts, man? How are you allowing that? How are you not going to see the first one and have the next guy up? Literally just have a guy who's just going to sit there and catch it. That's it. That's all you need. Like, just fair catch it and just sit there. You don't have to run it back. You know, I'll tell you this though. FSU had good pressure That verse kids, pretty solid as a pass rusher and their quarterback looked pretty good. I know he didn't have McKenzie Milton over his shoulder this year and he can just fully be the guy and Hey, they did it. They almost didn't. We got to talk about the sequence here at the end of the game. LSU muffs the fumble, uh, muffs the punt. I keep wanting to say fumble. Technically a fumble, but whatever. They muff the punt. FSU gets the ball like on their lone 20. They go down. They're on the goal line, third down, second down. They decide they're under center to pitch the ball. What happens when they pitch the ball on the goal line? They fumble. LSU recovers the fumble. They're on their own two or three yard line. They march down the field and they have a weird play about two seconds left. The tight end catches the ball. His knee, he's initially ruled out of bounds, so the clock stops at one second. But his FSU decides to challenge it. His knee touches inbounds. So technically, he gets the first down, but as soon as the ball is set, the clock should run if they get the call right on the field. But they say... They have time to run one more play. Instead of when the whistle is blown, they got to snap the ball, essentially. That didn't happen. This whole time, you have Brian Kelly coming up with a play, which essentially all they ran was a slant over the middle, and they scored. So here you are. You're 24-23. All you got to do is make the PAT, and you're going to overtime. What happened? What happens? FSU blocks the damn field goal. And again, 
This is nothing more than poor execution and poor special teams coaching. The dang wing blocker decides to block the guy going out instead of blocking down and blocking the guy on the inside. The guy on the inside, guess what? Blocks the damn field goal. Blocks the kick. Ends the game. If the guy just blocks down, we're going over to overtime. We're, we don't know what's going to happen. Probably LSU wins the game. In my opinion, that's probably what happens. Just that, that's how momentum works in college football, right? But again, special teams, they can make or break a team. They can make or break a game. If you got a punter that can bomb a kick, that can make a game. Field position is is crucial. And if you can block field goals or if you have a field goal kicker, that's awesome. Again, make or break a game. Look at that ECU game. Guy couldn't make a field goal, they lose. Special teams, baby. Special teams. All right, let's talk about the last game, and then we'll move on to this week's games, and we'll we'll just do picks, and we'll kind of burn through them. I've been I've been rambling a little bit, so let's talk about Clemson. They have issues. Yes, they won this game forty-one to ten, but they have issues. They need to make a decision on if DJ is going to be their guy. Or is Cade Klubnick going to come in and be there, be the new quarterback? Because, man, the same issues that came up from last year are still happening this year. Now, are some of the issues for DJ all his fault? No. His offensive line is in his lap most of the game. Against Georgia Tech, for God's sake. It's just... They got they got to figure out their offense. They're, they lost both coordinators. You know, Venable's down now at Oklahoma. Got a good win on Saturday. I mean, Tony Elliott's gone. Like they're replacing these two coordinators, and they got to make a they got to make a healthy decision here. It's gonna happen half. It's gonna have to happen quick because their only competition really is Miami at this point because NC State's not good, and if Miami beats them. Could be interesting. It could be another interesting year for Clemson, just like last year. And Dabo just got an extension today. Not shocking in that. And the fact that he's been there for 14 years is kind of nuts. But yeah, they they got to figure out some stuff because that offense is still just not good. But their defense, hey, defense look good. D line, Brzee, Murphy, they're still dominant. No shocker there. Trenton Thompson. He's freaking good. Like, their linebackers and their D-line are just, their front seven's probably the best in the country currently. Now, we'll see what happens when they play some better teams in Georgia Tech. I mean, Georgia Tech's over-under on wins this year is three. So, let's not get too overly excited here. But, I mean, this was a tight game until the third quarter. I mean, it was 14-10. So, all right. Let's get into picks. Let's get into week two and week one of the NFL. So we're going to start with college. Then we're going to give you every single game for the NFL this week. Uh, We're going for it. All right. First game, biggest game of the weekend. Bama versus Texas. Taking Bama, minus 20 and a half. Let's just call it for what it is. This is Saban revenge story year, and they're just going to poo-poo on Texas big time. 
I, I just, I see it. I, I, part of me wanted to do like I did for Notre Dame last week because, you know, it's on the road. But then you still got Bryce Young. And you still got Will Anderson. So it's like, yeah, Bama's going to poo-poo on them. So I'll be shocked if Texas keeps it within that number, full honesty. This was above 21. I probably would have taken the points. But it, it, since it's below three three touchdowns, give me Bama. I think they're going to try and make this a statement game. I know Texas wasn't very good last year, but they, they always get hype. It's a blue blood. I think they're going to try and make this a statement game. So Bama 20 and a half. Uh, next game, kind of an interesting one here because it's two pretty interesting teams in my opinion. Arkansas minus eight and a half against South Carolina. Now, why I think this is an interesting game. Like Arkansas beat Cincinnati. I didn't talk about that earlier. It just wasn't on my list. I didn't have time. It beat them by a touchdown, and now it's a solid Cincinnati team, right? They were in the playoff, but they lost a lot. I mean, both starting corners, their best, I mean, their uh, quarterbacks, now a Falcon. So what really did Cincinnati have in the back, you know, to, to reload? So that that's why I think it's interesting. And then South Carolina, I mean, they beat Georgia State, but that was it wasn't a very impressive win. Um, they had a couple picks. I think they had two pick sixes at the end of the game to get them 14 extra points, but they didn't look very great if that makes sense if you watch that game you'd understand um so yeah give me arkansas on this i know this seems kind of like a trap game because it I, I believe it's at carolina and the carolina's crazy i gotta give them it's a hype place to play it's pretty intimidating especially in that late afternoon or at night um it looks kind of crazy but give me arkansas they're a better team just flat out better team uh, I wish it was around seven. That would be better, but just give me the eight and a half. I think they get them by 10. All right, Tennessee versus Pitt. Tennessee's favored five and a half here. I stayed away from that. I just don't, I don't really know, but I do know there's going to be points. Pittsburgh kind of proved that playing against West Virginia. I think West Virginia's defense is the same level as Tennessee's. Tennessee does not have a good defense. They didn't last year. It didn't get magically better over one year. Um, I, I mean, yes, they play ball state and put up points, but I, this thing is at 66 and a half. And I just think that's, you just saw it with West Virginia, 38, 31. That's what I can see here. Something similar to that. I don't know who wins. I want to say Tennessee, but Pittsburgh's pretty solid. We'll, we'll see this. This thing was uh, a lot of points last year. I know hookers back and uh, Kenny Pickett's now with the Steelers, but I see it's being high points again. Next game I have the battle of the Iowa teams. Iowa versus Iowa State at Iowa. This is simple. Just take under 41 and a half because it's Iowa. Any Iowa game, you take the under. You do pretty well. They don't score points. They don't give up points. This is probably a 10 to 7 game. 14-10. That's probably what you're looking at there. Florida versus Kentucky. I, I talked about this earlier. I see over 51 and a half because I do think Kentucky's going to score some points because, Flor again, Florida's defense isn't that deep. So I think late in the game, levels levels will be able to hit some stuff over the, over the top, and they might get some yards. But the biggest issue here 
is the fact that Kentucky is missing Chris Rodriguez, probably the best running back, second or third best running back in the SEC. He's he's out. So is their backup now. Apparently towards ACL today or yesterday in practice. So that's a big blow. I'm surprised this line hasn't moved more. Um, and I'm also taking Florida minus five and a half here because of solely because of that. And Anthony Richardson is going to be the best player on the field, both sides of the ball by far. So I'm just going to take that and just take it to the bank. Uh, last game I have, I have BYU minus three versus Baylor. BYU last year was pretty damn good. And they returned pretty much everybody. And so I just, it's in BYU. I just see BYU taking it. They're probably your group of five team that's going to be 11 11 and 1, 12 and 0. And I know Baylor, they won the pack or Big 12 last year, and they're supposed to be good again this year. I'm just, I'm going with my gut here. I'm going to take BYU. Normally I would take Baylor, especially since they're getting three points. But give me BYU. I'll, I'll, I'll eat the, field goal and we'll go there all right let's dive into the nfl here tonight is the night the night that we've been waiting for you have the rams versus the bills josh allen versus stafford i mean two great offenses are going at it two great defenses are going at it i mean you couldn't ask for a better opening night in full honesty you couldn't this is going to be an electric game and I honestly, I kind of wanted to take the over just because um, I couldn't really decide on a side. But you know what? I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, you got to take a side. It's first NFL game. Got to pick a side. So I'm taking the Rams money line. Give me the Super Bowl champions. Give me Stafford. Give me the dog. Give me Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. I think they're going to get this thing done. Hey, this is a Super Bowl we all kind of really, truly wanted last year, right? Give me the Rammies. Give me the Rams. Give me L.A. Now let's see if they can keep the lights on there in California for the game, though. All right, for the next 14 games, we're going to burn through these pretty quickly. Broncos minus 6.5 for Seattle. This is simple. Seattle sucks. Russell Wilson versus Seattle. Back in Seattle. He's going to do his thing. Colts minus 7 versus Houston. Matty Ice and Jonathan Taylor. Colts have a good defense. Give me Andy. Patriots plus three and a half versus Miami. Now, all this hype that's been surrounded by the Dolphins this, this offseason. Getting Tyreek Hill, him and him and Jalen Waddell. Two was the most accurate quarterback Tyreek's ever been with. Slow the roll. The better Alabama quarterback's going to win this game. Patriots plus three and a half. Next, I got Eagles minus four versus Detroit. Pretty simple. Philly's going to be pretty good this year. I think they win that uh, that division. And Detroit's just not good. I like MCDC. I like Matt Campbell. I just don't see it. That's a low, low points. That's a low spread, in my opinion. I think that should be closer to seven. I know it's the NFL, but still. Moving on, Tampa, Dallas, over 50 and a half. I just think two good offenses. Yes, the Bucs have a good defense, but at the same time, just give me Tampa versus Dallas. Give me the over 50 and a half. Next, you got Chiefs cards, Cardinals, over 53 and a half. Two, two high-powered offenses there, not really good on defense. Cincinnati, minus six and a half versus Pittsburgh. 
No Big Ben. Pittsburgh was pretty bad last year. Cincinnati was in Super Bowl, returned everybody, got better. Give me Joey B. Titans minus five and a half versus the Giants. Giants were atrocious last year. Daniel Jones sucks. Tannehill's average. But you know who the Titans do have? Derek freaking Henry. Give me the Titans. Bears 49ers couldn't decide a side on this. I wanted to say the 49ers, but Kittle's out. Trey Lance first game. Ugh. Over 49 and a half on this one, man. I just I can't pick a side there. I know the Bears are bad, but I just can't. I just see points. Points, points, points. Saints minus five and a half versus Atlanta. Look, I root for the Falcons. I know. But they suck. They're gonna suck this year without Matt Ryan. Simple as that. It's in New Orleans. It's going to be bad. Give me Jay Boo and the Saints. Jacks plus three and a half versus Washington. This is purely because they have Carson Wentz. I just don't like Carson Wentz. I think the Jags offense should be pretty solid, but I don't know. It's always Jacksonville. It's a it's a, it's a risky pick. I'm not going to lie. It's just a gut feeling. Don't like Carson Wentz. I just think he's terrible. The guy broke, sprained both his ankles on one play last year. Give me touchdown, Jesus. Trevor Lawrence. Next, I got Carolina plus four and a half versus Cleveland. Um, Baker Mayfield revenge game versus Jacoby Brissett. Cleveland's super talented, but give me Baker. Ravens minus five and a half versus the Jets. Pretty simple. Joe Flacco starting. Just don't see him being very good. Lamar is still Lamar, even without his contract. Packers minus one and a half versus Minnesota. Feels very low. Feels like a big overreaction to Devontae being gone. So give me the Packers minus five and a half. Last but not least, Raiders versus Chargers. Over 51 and a half. Devontae with the Raiders now. Derek Carr can be a good quarterback. He can get back to that MVP level, and I think he's got a guy in Darren Waller, Devontae, Hunter Renfro. Then on the other side of the ball, you got Justin Herbert. I mean, him and Keenan Allen, they can do their thing. So, and plus Eckler. So, over 51 and a half there. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you guys, that Panthers and the Jags pick. Look a little questionable on my in my opinion. Might chalk those two to L's. But hey, if I, I just see Baker at home in Carolina. Apparently he's grown up. Maybe maybe he pulls it out. Maybe he pulls it out. Anyways, guys, I'm gonna wrap this thing up. I'm gonna get ready for this game in 15 minutes. Y'all have a great weekend. Enjoy watching football again. It's back. It's the best time of the year. Enjoy it. Drink some beer. Tailgate your butts off. And just just have fun. Enjoy it. Cherish it. Because quickly it's going to be gone again. And it's it's just not fun when it is. So enjoy it, guys. I love y'all. Thanks for being with me tonight. Hey, go dogs. Have a great weekend.